are completely and physically exhausted, but your mind is racing at a speed you can't almost kind of explain. And it's because of, I don't know, uh, something you've heard, or somewhere you've been, or someone that you've met. I think that sums up this night entirely. What a night it must have been for those shepherds. You're watching over your sheep like any other night. Nothing new, really. Same sheep just standing there, making their weird little noise, minding their own business. Nothing ordinary and out of the ordinary is expected or anticipated, because let's be honest, nothing out of the ordinary really ever happens. You've stood on that hillside you don't know how many times, and on other hillsides, just trying to stay awake, watching over those sheep. Now, obviously, as all good shepherds, you need to be on your guard. Uh, You need to be aware of the animals and the beasts that might kind of fancy a a midnight snack um, and may come looking for one courtesy of your flock. But let's be honest, that's not actually that common after all, really. Um, But then there is also making sure that the sheep don't wander off. Um, that they, you know, don't do their own thing. But again, on the whole, once it gets dark, they tend to just stand there and just stand there, really. Um, the reality is, it's not as exciting as most people think it is. It's not really the sought-after job that you might imagine. So in reality, it's a case that one night really kind of blurs into another night, which blurs into another night and another night and onwards but this one night something truly amazing happened and you can't actually quite you can't quite can't quite believe what actually happened this story that you're going to have to tell your grandchildren and that your grandchildren are going to have to tell their grandchildren and that your grandchildren's grandchildren are going to have to and you get the idea uh because as you lay there, you're, you're trying to get some sheet sleep. You're trying to, you know, get some shut-eye because, you know, it's not your watch right now. Uh, but you know you'll soon be back up um, having a watch over those little balls of white fluff. Um, but at this moment, you just can't sleep. The events of that night are just playing over and over in your mind on repeat. Because you, along with your fellow shepherds, you just been minding your own business, doing what you always do, when suddenly, out of nowhere, the most awesome uh, and terrifying, let's be honest, uh, sight is suddenly before you. This light, brighter than any lantern that you've kind of heard, sold, or or pilled anywhere nearby, this is something that completely pierces the darkness. And as you kind of become accustomed to it, you realise that it's an angel. It's crazy even really just thinking about it. Uh, I mean, no one has really ever come uh, and bothered us before. No one ever does. No one kind of comes out here. They just really leave us to our own devices, really. They think we smell, we're a bit weird, and we look after sheep. And so they just kind of keep us at arm's length. But not this night. I mean, I'll be honest. I thought Alexander, he was the one closest to me, um, I really thought he'd lost it, the way he screamed. Um, but then actually it was quite a sight uh, beholding before us. And there was no need to really say anything. 
We all knew in that moment that it was God who was showing up before us. I mean, that, again, that, that sounds a bit silly, really, just, just thinking about it. Um, but it was as if this, this being, this, this angelic being before us was, was like the physical manifestation of God there on that hillside. God kind of, you know, in our presence. And yes, obviously there was the bright light and all that, but there was something more than that. It was like it was, it was like it was a holy moment that we were experiencing there on the hillside. I mean, the angel, he obviously realized he'd taken us a bit unawares, um, as this sense of sheer panic was kind of gripping everyone around us. And so the first thing he says is, do not be afraid. I mean, it was a little late for that, really, I thought, but it was a good try anyway. Uh, and suddenly he then goes on, you know, to, to start telling us these things. Um, and I know in kind of the Roman Empire, it's the norm for, well, you know, someone, what's they call like a poet or, or something like that, to announce the birth of a new child who's going to become an emperor or a ruler or that sort of thing. But they do that in the city, I'm pretty sure, or in the palace. No one comes out onto a hillside uh, and certainly doesn't talk to the shepherds to tell us. Um, it just must have been some kind of joke. But then he, he goes on and he starts, starts telling us, what is it? He said, he said, today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the, what's the word he used? Messiah, the Lord. Now I've been wondering, were we the first to, to, to hear this news? Were we the first that he told? Anyway, the angel went on. Uh, and he then went on to tell us about this sign, he said. This sign to you will be you'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Kind of bizarre if you ask me, really. I mean, why would anyone put a baby in the place you're going to feed your livestock from? It's just not kind of hygienic or anything like that at all. But obviously, uh, needs must. Um, but it was all happening very quickly. Because then suddenly, before me, boom! came out and I was almost blinded because it was as if, as if someone had turned on the sun and they turned it up to 11 and this, this angel before us was well, outshone because the whole sky was full of them they were everywhere there was no scream from Alexander at this point he was more just completely dumbfounded um, as most of us were this awesome wonder just thinking back to it this immense beauty this sheer power and authority that was before our eyes. This wasn't some dream. This wasn't some story someone was telling us. No, this was evident right there. Could have reached out and almost touched it. This army of angels. A heavenly host, just like the stories of old. Who was it? The, 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 the prophet... Micaiah, I think. My grandmother used to tell me the stories uh, of what he used to say. It was something along the line of he saw the Lord sitting on the throne and all the multitudes of heaven standing around him on his right left. It, it was like that. And they weren't quiet either. Oh no, they were a noisy bunch. Uh, you know, the sky being illuminated is one thing. Like nothing I've ever experienced before. But then they start singing. Oh, 
And this isn't just some campfire ditty uh, that they've put together in a rush. No, no. Oh, this isn't some kind of off-tune number when we've all had a bit too much wine or that thing. This was, it was heavenly. I can't almost describe it. This phrase, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. And they just kept singing it, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. Glory, they just went on. To start with, I have to say, I thought it was a, I thought it was a hymn of praise to God. You know, they just happened to show up on our hillside, but really they were having a conversation with God, and we were just bystanders, really, you know, just making up, kind of filling the space, really. But then I started to think about it, and I actually listened to what they were saying. I think it was more of an angelic song, proclaiming almost the impact that the birth of this child, this this Messiah, was going to have. Much more than just some story to be retold um, for years potentially to come. But no, this was, this was a birth that was going to matter. That was going to make an impact. It was going to make a difference. And then like that, they were gone. Just disappeared. Couldn't see any, well, couldn't see anything, actually. It was like when you blow out the lamp late at night, you know, and suddenly you're just looking around and you... And you your eyes no longer are accustomed to the darkness and you can't see a thing. Um, and for a split second, all is pitch black, but then you slowly start to come accustomed and you can see the stars again. And there was just this, this stillness. So we were all just aware of, well, we'd witnessed something. We'd been party to a, a moment that was something special. Alexander, he was jumping around like a little child. Uh, and I, I don't know. Try and imagine a day, maybe once a year, when you're given lots of presents. Um, it's not your birthday. Um, just, you know, you do that once a year. You're celebrating something or other. Um, I don't know, maybe it'll catch on. Um, anyway, little discussion was needed, okay? Uh, there was no question about it. We were going to find this baby that those angels had told us about. We were going to find him out. And there was almost this, this kind of panic, if you will. I mean, it was a positive panic. It was more of an excitement, but it was almost a slight panic. Uh, something important had happened, and it's like we could just sense it. And so just we had to, to get off and see it. Yet in the midst of it, as we were all hurrying around, this sounds really silly, but it's almost as if I felt we'd witnessed a turning point in history. That this moment was going to define everything. Anyway, we kind of gathered our stuff together and, and made our way. Although still, kind of my head was buzzing because it's kind of crazy, really, that these guys came to us. I mean, shepherds. Um, outsiders. Uh, um, everyone says we smell because, well, we probably do. Uh, you know, why would the news come to us? It doesn't make any any sense. But anyway, the the impact it had was evidence because we hurried off and we were running. This wasn't just kind of one of those kind of family walks that you might go on where you kind of well, you don't really want to be there, so you drag your heels and you see how kind of far behind you can get. No, we all wanted to be at the front. We all wanted to be the first uh, to outdo uh, each other, to to get there and see this sight. So we headed to Bethlehem. I mean, the place, the place is a massive. 
I imagine years to come it might get a bit bigger. Might have a few people might come and visit for one reason or another. Um, but it's just a few hundred, really. So it didn't take us long to find this family, this child, a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, just like the angel said to us. And there's the mother and the father, what were their names again? Um, Mary and Joseph, that was it, yeah. Uh, I think they must have looked, well, they looked a bit shell-shocked, really. I mean, suddenly where you have a load of shepherds show up in the middle of the night, would make anyone feel a little kind of awkward. Um, and they'd apparently travelled from Nazareth for this census, they were they're telling us. Alexander, he got a bit carried away and was recounting the whole thing to them of what happened, angels, you know, shining light and all that sort of thing. Um, and the message they shared. But yet it was slightly bizarre because... The couple didn't seem that surprised, as if they kind of knew something was going on and that their baby was someone a bit special, but they didn't really kind of say much. Anyway, we didn't stay long. I mean, cheap to look after. Um, someone's got to stand by them and just watch them not do a lot. Um, but I have to say, I-, I wanted to tell everyone what had happened. This was a story that, well, it was a story that the grandchildren were going to hear about and so on and so on. We were going to spread the word about what we had witnessed, about what had taken place, about this, this saviour, this messiah. I mean, I just want everyone to know. Again, though, I wonder if we were the first to, to hear of this, this arrival. I mean, I can't believe we'll be the only ones to respond so enthusiastically uh, when people hear about this baby and, and who he is, what he's come to do. Surely it's going to capture everyone. It's going to cause them want to, to share it with others, not just to keep it to themselves, because it, it's just the greatest thing ever. What was that verse my mother, my grandmother used to tell me about? What was it? The prophet Isaiah, that was it. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom to the captives, and release from darkness to the prisoners. Kind of bizarrely, I was reminded of that verse as, as we left. Maybe it was something to do with that, that child. Maybe that's something of what he's come to do, come to bring. Anyway, oh. You yawn and you roll over because it's really getting quite late by this point and you do really need your sleep because, well, it's going to be any time before you have to get up and get on with the day's jobs. But your head is still just buzzing away. Mainly with that question of, kind of, if shepherds are considered so untrustworthy and, uh, you know, unclean and all that sort of thing, why did this good news, this, this, I don't know, gospel... There's a word that could work, couldn't it? Yeah. Uh, This gospel, come to us. Come to the the social outcasts. I mean, if that's the case, then surely there's no holding back as to who this message is for, who this baby came to. It's almost like the last being first and the first being last, or something along those lines. A kind of a topsy-turvy kingdom like this world has never seen. That's almost what this little boy might represent, I guess. That's my kind of king, though. That's the one I want to share. That's the one that I want to follow. And I hope others do too. Let us pray.
as we do this, we're going to take an opportunity to respond. And you heard that reading and think about the shepherds. Maybe this morning for you, it's the fact that actually you feel a bit of an outsider, a bit of an outcast, someone who doesn't really fit for whatever reason. Um, maybe you feel like your time is gone and you had an opportunity and it's, it's, it's no longer there. Or, or why, would, why would Jesus come for you? Maybe this morning it's that sense of that call to go and see the baby, respond to that invitation. But it's almost like you did that and you've become so familiar with this story, so familiar with the awesomeness of that child in that manger. And actually God's saying, no, take another look. See again the power of my love for you. Maybe this morning it's that buzz and excitement to tell others that if you're honest, you don't have. And actually you need to ask God by his spirit to inject you with that passion to share this good news uh, with others. I'm going to pray. And as I do, uh, if you want to, I'm going to invite you to to raise a hand uh, in response purely so I can pray purposely for you this morning, nothing else. But let us pray. Jesus, your story that we, we read in the Bible is a story of true magnificence. It's a story whose impact is fresh and powerful today as was the first day that it, it happened. As it was when those shepherds first heard the good news out on that field. And we want to praise you for the wonder of Christmas. You shared the news with those society thought outsiders. And if you relate to that this morning in whatever way, then can I invite you just to, to raise a hand? Jesus came for you. I pray that you may know his peace, his love, and hear the sound of his voice speaking your name this day. May you know he loves you no matter what the world might say. You are of the greatest value, the highest worth. He came for you. Lord, you invited the shepherds to come and see the newborn saviour of the world. Maybe this morning if you need to respond to that invitation or uh, you need to take a, a fresh look, having maybe heard this story many times before, then I invite you again just to raise a hand um, in response. Jesus, you came to the earth so we could know you. So we could follow you through life. So we could be called children of God. If you've been speaking to us this morning, we know we need to respond to you, to turn back to you. We invite you to come into our lives, to transform us for your glory. And Lord, your story was shared with great incitement by the shepherds uh, to all they met. And if this morning you need God's help, support and guidance to do that, to share his story, then again, I invite you just to, to raise a hand as response to God. Jesus, you came for all. By your grace, you invite us to share your story, to share you with others. Help us to do that. Give us the boldness, the words and the opportunities we need. By your Holy Spirit, inspire and ignite a fresh passion within us. 
And may we all experience the awesomeness at the heart of the season this day. Amen. If you responded to any one of those things, or maybe something else this morning that you feel that God has been saying to you, I really want to encourage you to share that with someone else before you leave this morning. Um, you may want them to pray with you. Uh, there'll be people in the foyer uh, as we continue to worship. Um, or you may just want to turn to someone near you or go to someone that maybe is part of your life group or, or you're a discipleship pairing with. Um, but let's respond to the things that God has been saying to us this morning.